Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is The CW Spiral, a podcast run by three survivors of the CW's colon in 2022. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden, bringing you history about the network and the WB, the latest news and in-depth sportable discussions of the best and messiest shows to ever grace the small screen. Okay, what I'm excited about is that, you know, CW News keeps rolling in. So before we launch into our Buffy extravaganza Halloween episode and our Tarzan catch up, uh, we do have some information to share about what the network is doing. Uh, Everyone Else Burns has been renewed for season two, and the CW is joining as a creative producer for its sophomore season. When I was reading the articles, it did say it hadn't premiered yet, and I thought Everyone Else Burns was already running on the network. See, that's what I thought, too. I thought all of the shows had premiered, and I guess a lot of the comedies did. I don't know. I was so confused when I went on the press site because it said, like, premieres October 29th or whatever, and I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't they already been on? But I guess everyone else burns hasn't. I'm with you. I thought it was on this whole time. Yeah, It no- shows where our minds are. <laughs> yeah it just it went we went from zero comedies on the cw to a lot of comedies and i think since the majority of them premiered a little while ago i kind of expected this one to be with it but it was only when i saw the renewal announcement i was like hang on a minute has that actually aired and then when we read the the article we saw that it hadn't i mean renewing a show before the second before the first season premieres it's not unheard of i the, the original CW probably did it, although it maybe waited until after the first episode aired to see what it, the numbers would be like. Happy for everyone else, burn, everything else burns. Happy for the fans of it in the UK who have been waiting for ages for a second season announcement. Great, but it's definitely an unusual choice considering it's yet to premiere for the US audience. And they have yeah. three other comedies that have already been airing. Mm-hmm. And I think one of them, I'm going to venture to say Run the Burbs, Mm-hmm, it did. It did. Re- has renewed. been renewed for season three, but the CW hasn't said if they're claiming that yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this is, I don't know, interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, so with everyone else burns, that's the faith-based, irreverent comedy, um, which a choice um, to put on the CW. They don't really navigate that lane. It was interesting for me to see that it got renewed for a season two, seeing how the numbers for the other comedies. Um, I think to be fair to us about not knowing that it hadn't premiered yet, I believe everyone else burns kept getting moved around on the schedule back when the CW kept changing its schedule, which is it's continuing to do. Um, once again, another show is being moved. F-Boy Island has been moved to Fridays starting November 3rd. It'll air at 9 p.m. Um, and then reruns of Penn and Teller Fool Us and F-Boy Allen will then take its place on those Mondays. F-Boy Allen had been moved from Thursdays to Mondays because the CW did not want to compete with uh, the Bachelor power block on ABC on Thursdays. Smart move. 
Um, but it has not worked out in my favor to be on Monday. So now we're going to try Fridays. I was, we live through eras in which when you change a show this much, it's likely not going to be coming back. But I don't know, more power to the FBI Island people. They have FGAR Island next year. So maybe they're just trying to figure out what works. I, for, I forgot all about that. Uh, yeah when you move a show around it's hard for an audience to figure out when it's on and i guess these days that's not their main concern when people aren't really watching tv religiously on on the night but still it's not it's not great to move a show around and i think we're back to an era where moving a show to friday night is giving friday night death slot Mm. Whereas it felt like the CW kind of reclaimed Friday nights in the past few years with Dynasty and Charmed and Nancy, even though those shows weren't like doing extravagant numbers, it's still like they were putting shows that people loved on Friday nights and saying, hey, Friday night, it can be a vital time for people to watch television. And it's, I mean, through that lens, it feels like F-Boy Island could be, could have a chance on Friday nights, but I don't know. Considering where we're at, it 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 is giving Friday night death slot. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, two things, and Reed just summed one of them up beautifully. Yeah, Friday nights on the CW has in recent years has not been that bad at the death sentence because this network was known for renewing stuff. And but let's be honest, the CW is full of different fandoms. So it was like, let's put the Dynasty fans on a Friday night. Let's put the Charmed fans on a Friday night. Let's put the Flash fans on a Tuesday. Every night was a night for a different fandom. That worked, especially the fact that you almost knew those shows would be returning every single year, irrespective of the ratings. The other thing, I believe the the only ever success, really successful number or shows the CW has ever had with numbers was SmackDown. We talked about it last week. It did a solid two million and it went up against Ghost of Spur and still survived on the classic Friday nights. We're not in that era anymore. FBI Island is not SmackDown. And we're back in the era where things can get cancelled if the numbers aren't good. And irrespective of that, the optics of moving a show two weeks after it premiered are not good. Especially now, I think according to the TV Line article, there's going to be an, two episodes on next week, a new one on the Monday, and then a new one on the Friday night. We're not even waiting a week to move it to the time slot. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah, it's very <laughs> weird. Mess. And the way I three points, actually. The third one, this reminds me of what happened with the Winchesters last year. We're moving yeah. a show out of its slot to put a rerun of the show in the exact same slot. How does that make sense? And how is that going to get higher viewing figures? I get the Penn and Teller reruns because that's a very popular show, but we're following that up with reruns of FBoy Island. How is that going to draw a higher viewership than a new episode of FBoy Island? I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure though the Walker fans are happy because with FBoy Island continuing to move, it probably will not get moved back to Thursdays and Thursdays were Walker Thursdays and that's likely where the Walker fandom would like their show to be come 2024. The writer's room is open for fans who do not know, so those shows are supposed to be coming back in April um, according to the Hollywood Reporter sources. Who knows? They should just read Walker on, one, on Mondays then. Oh yeah, from the beginning. Like, what are we doing? And the, was it I think TV line is where I read that it's like for now they're putting the Penn and Teller and FBoy Island reruns on Monday and I guess until they figure out what they're doing. Pitch for Walker. Walker Mondays. Walker reruns yeah. Mondays. From the beginning. 
by the time it airs, if they could probably air all the episodes before it comes yeah. back to season four, at least the vast majority of them. It's about Double up then when if we and we get closer, if it comes back sooner. I think it's a great idea because we know the shows that draw the higher viewership for the CW, the reruns of them tend to do quite well as well. We know Superman at Lois, for example, I think that it does a solid between 700 and 500,000 per week. And I think the reruns did about 400,000 per week, which, let's be honest, is twice as much as some of the new programming on the CW is getting. So, And I mean, look at the success CBS is having with Yellowstone. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. not wrong. There's a, there's a correlation. <laughs> yeah. And they're rolling into season two come Sunday. Yep. So there's that. I think to go back to viewership, though. Uh, so... This should come as no surprise to anybody. Sullivan's Crossing was the most watched fall show on the CW. This is what they were hoping for. It's what they predicted. It um, has 708,000 weekly viewers. What people probably didn't expect, though, is that the Spencer Sisters is holding tight right behind it at 703,000 weekly oh, viewers. I love that for them. Sisters right? doing it for themselves. <laughs> 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 we did talk about how how long it's been since we've had like a good like duo of a strong lead in followed by a good follow up. When was the last time we actually saw that work? I'm talking about on the CW, maybe the days of the Vampire Diaries, which would benefit the originals that came after it. It's been a long time since we've seen such a good partnership work so cohesively. Honestly, these shows are kind of different. I didn't expect it with this one. So fair play to them. This sounds like a victory in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Like I'm happy for the network, but I am a little bitter though. Yeah. Because like it is giving now it's a bit different in terms of like the Walker franchise that they were trying to build last year. You are building off of a, a built in audience rather than having to start start from um, the bottom when it comes to pairing two shows together. But though Walker Independence wasn't holding as tight to the Walker audience, it still was doing really, really well. Um, yeah. And I get it. It's the fact that they didn't have like they they didn't have the rights to the show after it airs. They wanted to be able to have their own roster of television shows that didn't just immediately transfer back to the WB or CBS studios. I understand, but I still wanted to continue on with the adventures of Applegate Walker. And they said no. And, and when the network had said, oh, it has to be about views. And they accomplished that. They did far better than the vast, like, majority of acquired shows that they have gotten consistently and yet it still got canceled yeah speak on it we're never gonna get over this show <laughs> <laughs> it was the most consistent of the new shows last year and none of the new shows recently really have been as consistent as that and i know they're still cheaper so they'll continue to be mad other mm -hmm. except for the ones that like drop really really low that they're shoved off onto the streaming service instead um but it just there's the criteria is still so like blurred at this point in time we still don't know but i think the one thing we can take away from it for certain is that sullivan's crossing and the spencer sisters that is a victory so they mm -hmm. probably use that to as like the platform to try and launch some new shows and like look Under we made point. it happen say no more <laughs> I think this is a good sign that, well, we already knew that Sullivan's Crossing was going to be staying because uh, mm -hmm. they got renewed for season two before the show had even aired stateside. Spencer Sisters will probably be back on the CW for another season. Uh, we already know everyone else burns will be returned. I'm assuming Son of a Critch will too, regardless of the numbers, um, because it's like, 
they have it as their number one comedy, Monday night comedy on the network. So well, not Monday night anymore, wherever it got moved. An easy bar to cross that. <laughs> it is, but like, I'm going to give it to them. <laughs> hey, a win's a win. A win is a win. So I feel like those are going to be uh, staying around come next year's schedule, whether that's mid-season or that's the, the 2024, 2025 schedule. Uh, I do want to warn people who are listening or watching if you are attached to what's airing on the CW right now, unattach yourself unless you've seen renewals or um, you've been paying attention to viewership and the viewership is is good. We are the, the CW is a network influx and they continue to show that. And I don't think we're going to be out of flux for the next like at least two years until they have a stable roster that they actually like. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're ever going to get back to that era of like, safety and comfort where we expected all of our shows to be renewed but in whatever whenever they renewed them each year like i don't think we're gonna get back to that we're not gonna get cw renews nine shows like it's not gonna be that ever again (laughs) no it's so sad i do think though so this is a soapbox moment but like so every time the cw is in the news and it's being written about by people who generally do not watch the network I feel like I get very defensive on CW's side as far as like their pedigree and like what is like the shows that they're known for, because you can tell who's been paying attention to the network in the entertainment industry and writing about it or the sports industry. I see you sports journalists and who has been paying attention, who hasn't been paying attention. I love Gossip Girl, love One Tree Hill. They've been off for a very long time. I feel like if you're going to talk about the CW, at least reference the lineup that most people would have known about. Like, how are we bypassing the Arrowverse? Like, it was for, on for 10 years. I know y'all know it exists. I know you, you have, know. Do you have room for me to come up on the yes, soapbox? Yes, yes. Let's make it a couch. It, it's, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like a cons- the, when they write about the CW in a negative light, it's like always the same thing. It's like, oh, low ratings. Oh, it's for teens. Oh, it's for superhero fans. It's like the... It's like the constant writing off of uh, an entire demographic. Mm-hmm. Things that are targeted to teenage girls, immediately people deem as less than. And, oh, that's not, like, that's has to be bad. And also, I'm sure, Michael, you get this all the time. Like, things that are, like, comic book adaptations or about superheroes. People can write that off, too, as big as they have become. It's like you see these things that are popular and if you're not a teenage girl or a a fan of comic books or superheroes you get trashed on because it's unfamiliar territory or you deem it it's just so frustrating when you read articles and it's like oh it's for teens and it's like okay they 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 are allowed to have content made for them as well <laughs> i don't know i don't know why that makes the the network a bad place to watch a football game mm-hmm. it just does not compute one of these things is not it just the math we got our equations mixed up because that's a, a channel that aired gossip girl it doesn't mean that you can't watch a football game on it mm-hmm. uh, earth to men you're watching football games on a network that airs Grey's Anatomy. Hello? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, so, it's so frustrating to me. <laughs> that was a good way to end that. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I know. I'm completely with you on that because it really, really bothers me. Okay, maybe this year is not the best example since we're moving into that awkward superhero fatigue era. But like last year, the year before, what were the biggest shows in the world? WandaVision, Loki, all these shows spun out of Marvel that were always going to be successful. But these shows might not have existed had the CW not tried superhero TV shows a decade ago. And look, there's one, one superhero show left on linear television and it's still on the CW. That's it. And if it wasn't for the new owners at Nexstar, there would still be four or five and they'd all be on the CW. This genre, this era we're living in, owes a debt of gratitude to that network. And I am so sick of people overlooking it. And don't get me wrong, I started this network because of the teen dramas. Heck no, that's a lie. I started this network because of the wrestling. Um, and you know what? I stayed with it because of the superhero shows. But I it was love a, a gradual evolution exactly. that people are just like they had in their minds 2007. Oh, there's Gilmore Girls and there's those teens in New York. And it's like, no, the network continued to evolve. Like yeah. just because maybe your last memory is 90210 and everyone hated 90210, which I won't, I will leave that there. I won't get started on that. That's a complete <laughs> detour. But it's like, let things evolve like did you like sabrina said did you forget that the arrowverse happened and everyone talked about it everyone watched it you were watching it on netflix do not lie to us like mm -hmm. you were watching it on netflix we've we know <laughs> <laughs> exactly and that's what and really like, don't, not to interrupt you again go ahead but, but you were watching riverdale on netflix too mm -hmm. right and just because it's quote bad I don't know. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm getting heated. <laughs> but like, you're right to ask because we all are. That, the, the problem here is it's so easy to say, oh, this is the network that teenage girls watch. And so first of all, that ain't a bad thing because I'm sorry. I said this. I love the big five networks, but the CW is probably the most consistent for producing the global hits. There's a lot of US shows that are famous in the US and they stay famous in the US. But a lot of the ones that have made famous outside of the US have been on the CW or the WB. And yeah, they're the shows that teenage girls watch. Big deal. But also, like, teenagers have taste. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Sorry. And I, I, I watched a lot of those shows and I thought they were fantastic. Um, but let's not forget that the CW also had a high male viewership at one at two points. Smackdown drew in a high male viewership. The Arrowverse drew in a high male viewership. So I don't think it's fair to look back and say, oh, that was the network the teenage girls watched and say, A, like it's a bad thing because it's not and B, negate the evolution that the network went as well. So the CW is not just one thing. It has been many things over the years. Mm -hmm. And it, it as much as I hate to admit it, because I don't like the direction it's going to, it will be many things again. Heck, it's many things right now. It hasn't really found Too its identity. Many <laughs> Too many things. So to, to put that evolution down, this is the problem with a crossover of a completely different genre. I said that sports isn't necessarily the way to go, but sports entertainment is because those people tend to get things on both sides. So this is the problem when you're doing a crossover with a completely different thing. A lot of people don't understand it. I, it's my hope and my dream that they will, because this network can be a gold mine. It's been a gold mine in the past. I'm sure it will be a gold mine again. So just treat its history with the respect that it deserves, because it did a lot of good and it did it changed the world in a lot of positive ways. And I couldn't have asked for a better network to grow up watching. I also can't stand the erasure of the CW's critical acclaim era. Yeah. Like they had Jane the Virgin out there win Golden Globes and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Like that was an era in and of itself. It was. Well, the other thing that is really irritating about like the way that the CW is covered lately in the news and has been since the majority ownership changed is that it's just patently untrue that it was a teen network at the time that they're writing. Like 
the teen era had moved. It was young adults. And young adults yeah. don't have to be teenagers. They can be early 20s, some mid-20s too. I was Remember like, well, the 58-year-olds as well? They were watching. <laughs> they just they, 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 they get their demos mixed up. Yeah, they do. Well, I think it's again, frustrating. Because we're like 20 years back in the past when it comes to the CW. And I, I will say, if I'm not going to give a fair point, part of that is because of the marketing change over at the network. Most people remember the big pushes for the shows that they're name dropping that didn't actually happen as we got further into the 2010s, which is why some people didn't even know some of the content that they were enjoying, that that people were enjoying was even airing on the CW or that it existed. So that is the CW's fault. But what's not the CW's fault is like a lack of like researching anything. Like it takes two seconds to see what the what shows were airing by the time that um that the the majority ownership was changing. Two seconds. A quick Google. Maybe we can we can see what was most popular. I love Smallville, but if keep name dropping Smallville in these articles when it's the network known for Smallville. Not anymore. <laughs> it's the network known for the Riverdale and the Arrowverse. And then some like I will even take Vampire Diaries at this point. Someone please just yeah. name drop the TBD universe instead of bringing me all the way back to my own teen years. And like I've like I've been watching the network since I was a teenager and moved into my young adulthood, and I'm still watching the network. I would like to hear about shows that they've been airing at least at least a decade fully into the, the 21st century instead of being at the turn of the century. <laughs> right? Like if NBC can be re- rebranded as like the Chicago universe and not mm-hmm. be like beholden to like Friends and Seinfeld, I think the CW should deserve that same mm-hmm. that same opportunity to have its history recognized, even though it's is a little bit messier than other networks. <laughs> Could you imagine though, like writing about, let's say NBC gets sold to somebody else, and they're like, the network that brought you Seinfeld and Friends, and like, we're back in the nineties. It's true, it's true, <laughs> yes. but we're erasing a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Has it not shown any programming sense? <laughs> I know, like what? I mean, it's just odd, and and everyone doesn't have to be a CW history buff like we are. But like, we could get closer to, the, to this. But thing. the history is so short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Six, seventeen I think that's years. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> a lot happened in that. No, just to, to go back to Sabrina's point about Smallville. Smallville might very well be my favorite TV show of all time, but The Flash was literally the show's biggest hit ever. They announced that after the first season. No other show ever got the numbers that that did. The Flash was the CW's biggest hit. Riverdale was obviously its biggest global hit. We have this show. The The Vampire Diaries was its biggest hit before The Flash came along this network has gone through so many eras in such a short amount of time and i just how, how can you negate all that how can you ignore all that um you have to give it time for the I flash do. to get recognition because i feel like the longer a hit show goes on the less people like i think uh, people get exhausted of it yeah but like riverdale like mm-hmm. it was so like riverdale and then it's turned into this show still on by like season four yeah without so i think we need the tides we need to let the tides turn as much as like we're here now unfortunately you have to let the people catch up <laughs> so flash renaissance by 2025 then or 2026 yeah. we'll put it on the calendar hopefully people are <laughs> <SVP>. <laughs> oh, but a note to like those who are, are going to be covering uh college sport like football 
uh, this year because the CW is airing ACC games, you could include All American in your right. your coverage. It's like there is a, a football point. drama. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's right there for you. Yeah, and... They're like football in the CW. What are we talking about? <laughs> There's the sports entertainment <laughs> I was talking about. Right, like you really could talk about Spencer James, who's literally going through college football on a, a drama really on the CW. Be, like. The All American is a hit show. People love it, but we really need to do like a full inquest to be like, why do people? It seems like no one knows that the show is on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like I feel like even for the majority of this conversation, we forgot about it until you brought it up. But it's like, what, what's happening? <laughs> I don't know. It's okay, so it's really good. I I don't yes. know what's happening. It, I will say, you know, we are in its veteran seasons. This is around the time in which. People get aggravated about the way the plot is going. And it's understandable. They are also working through the the college seasons. Which, that, yeah, that's a tough time. That's a tough mm-hmm. time. But it's a really good program. And I feel like if you don't know that the All-American exists, get to know it. If you're a Netflix subscriber, it's over on the, the streaming um, service. You can watch the first season. Football is really, really a part of the show. It's not a sports drama in which, you know, we... We're walking and talking more than we're actually on the field. They actually do play football on All American. So, sports journalists, if you see this, check out the first episode. Check out the pilot. Meet Spencer James. You know, meet. I don't remember Coach Baker, played by um, why is his name escaping me? Tay Diggs. There you go. Played by Tay Diggs. Like, learn about everybody on All American. Incorporate it into your writing. It's just so easy. Free promo for that show, too. Like, please. It's right there. It's right there. They were so close. (laughs) It fits your audience. You know, oh, were you reading about college sports? Watch a college sports show or a high school sports show. Well, maybe they need to put All-American back on Mondays. Mm. I'm assuming that they will. Um, Otherwise, the All-American fandom is going to riot on Twitter. (laughs) If that doesn't happen, they've been All-American Mondays for quite some time. Um, And... Well, I'm sorry. Take a notepad out, please. So originally, the CW wanted to air All-American and 64th Street together. Let's not do that. Let's do All-American and All-American Homecoming. Yeah. Keep the franchise together. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes you can split the spinoff in the Sire series, but unfortunately, I don't think this is the right move for this particular franchise. (laughs) Mm -mm. And it makes more sense. I mean, uh, Again, sports journalist, All-American Homecoming. College sports is on that show, too. It's tennis and baseball. Don't know what y'all going to do with that if you don't cover either. But pass it along to a further, further, not further, fellow sports journalist who does cover it. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. All right. Well, leaving, going to shove the couch back to the side. And <laughs> it was good to get that off her chest, right? <laughs> it was. I, it's so cathartic. <laughs> right. I needed to say it. But so moving into Buffy, um, I love this piece of history that was added to our outline, by the way. But so we watched uh, season four, episode four, Fear Itself, which aired on October 22nd, not 22nd, 26th, 1999, which is 24 years ago. Um, and it is October 26th as we're recording this. So we are recording it on the anniversary. I know that worked out like when we we had a fan pitch this um, or a viewer. I wouldn't say fan. Uh, it could be both. Uh, pitched this as an option to watch and uh, and also the season three episode Halloween but I you know I picked Fear Itself 
(laughs) (laughs) And then we did a poll and they picked it. But I didn't I didn't look at the air date until I was adding stuff to the outline. I was like, oh, my that worked out. We're really nailing it this season between that and Tarzan, aren't we? We're getting all the deaths. The stars align. We're on the right (laughs) track, guys. (laughs) It's so nice. And it was suitable. As someone who's never watched an episode of Buffy in her life, I've seen like, no, not even clips. I've seen GIFs of of Buffy. Probably like the same GIFs, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, I know about the drama between Spike and um, Buffy and the drama between Buffy and Angel. I know about the ship wars. And then neither of them were in this episode, so it was peaceful for you. (laughs) It was. I I was sad that she was depressed. Yeah, she Uh, was. Yeah. Because of Parker. Yeah, as the fellow Buffy watcher, do you remember what happened with Parker? Um, I honestly forgot this entire arc existed and I would have remained that way had there not been a previously on the episode that I watched but yes I believe she was Parker was her first college crush they were attracted to each other and then they got intimate and afterwards he was like that was fun let's move on um, and oh, she, yeah, yeah, she okay. had never experienced anything like that before which explained yeah, she how had, she was like, feeling deep passionate unrequited love from a vampire <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm. she started strong. <laughs> Nothing else compared. Um, but that, uh, like the one of the reasons I love Halloween episodes is that they can be standalone, but they can also play into yeah. the overall arc of the show. And I, you, you, you never think. Sometimes people never think about how witty, but how also clever the writing in Buffy was. This understood the assignment beautifully. Yeah, the mm-hmm. the show always had its own like language and its own cadence in the scripts. And sometimes, like, even watching this episode, it's been a while since I watched Buffy, and I was like, oh, yeah, they they talk weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there was a lot of talking in the first half. Um, yeah, no, no shade, but low-key a little bit. Um, I had this... Up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I remembered this episode, but what I remember of it was, like, the last half of it, like, when things are happening, and I was kind of like, when are we getting started? Mm. And I was like, oh no, Sabrina's watching this episode. <laughs> she's going to be so bored. It's a lot of character stuff and the energy is kind of low because they're all feeding off of Buffy being a low-key depressed about her first college you know, romance going south. And that's kind of where we're at. Like The energy is low until they get to the party. And then, even then it takes a little bit of time to get get into the i guess mystery mm, i feel like i've been trained well by both like 90s programming and streaming that it didn't quite bother me um <laughs> that they that we were we i think were i was projecting slow. my viewing experience onto you as someone who hadn't watched the show <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like watching like oh my god sabrina's gonna be bored <laughs> well, i also wanted to give it a chance so one of the things like like when people enjoy something i want to give it a chance and i know um I think one of the downsides of holiday episodes that are um they tend to be slow in the beginning. So I was like, yeah. there you go. I was like, we're setting up the frat party. I know that's what we're going to be doing when it comes to the spookiness of it. I'm just gonna let these kids talk and explain themselves to me because I don't know them. I don't know where we are. I thought I was gonna see Tara and I did not. I saw Oz and I was like, oh, Seth Green. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think Michael, this is Seth Green's last season, right? I think, and then I think right, Willow yeah. comes out and meets Tara. 
I think that's right. I don't know. The timeline is murky to me because I haven't watched this show in a while. Yeah. Every time I rewatch it, I never make it to the college year. So (laughs) I was watching this like, okay, where are we? Um, I think season four is widely regarded as one of the least best seasons because it didn't necessarily balance the college thing. Right. And there's weird things that happen with the villain and everything. But season four is also great for having some amazing standout episodes. And this was a perfect example of that. Um, it's hard to place it in the overall narrative because of that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I kind of wish, should I say this? I wish we watched, I know the Halloween theme, but I was kind of like wishing that we had watched Hush. Do you yeah. remember that episode, Michael? I love that episode. With the, the gentleman and no one can talk. Maybe we'll watch mm. that in the future. We but I really do have, I really do have a deep love for this season. And I feel like whenever someone tells me like, oh, it's the, least favorite season i'm like i'll show you I like it for everybody <laughs> but i also it's my favorite dvd cover <laughs> yeah, I, yeah and i like michael and i have talked about this that like we like associate shows with the dvd cover and like if i have a favorite dvd cover i don't know it just like it makes me like the episodes more even if it's not as good of a season you know that's a whole different conversation back to the episode <laughs> so i so for me, I like the sensory of the episode. Like even from the beginning when we're talking, when it's Buffy and her friends and uh, the pumpkins carving, sure. But her sitting on the bed and like touching the pumpkin guts, like the, uh, just the like visceralness. I was like, oh, it's so gross. We're yeah. already starting strong. And like Sharon Michelle Geller was just really, um, really in that bowl truly just didn't even when she got up and put her coat on is it we're not gonna wipe her hand okay well we (laughs) i like they sounded wet to me but i guess we can have pumpkin guts on 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 the jacket but i thought that was a good setup because okay if we're already doing this in the beginning then when we get to the practical effects and the different sensory things that are happening later in the episode it it seemed clear to me that they have an understanding of that and i was correct Mm -hmm. i i thought that like this is a halloween episode like the way we did we did fun. It was funny, but it was also um, I really enjoyed that they they didn't want to necessarily scare you. They wanted to make you uncomfortable, and I prefer yeah. that to being necessarily scared. Like you don't have to do jump scares for me if I'm creeped out by a situation, which is usually like being left alone. The hallways are dark. Like we don't know where our friends are. Someone can't see you. That stuff really like gets to me. So it was unnerving, and I really enjoyed that aspect of the episode. Yeah, it's really unsettling. This the, the concept of the episode is like we get tracked with these characters in their fears. Mm-hmm. Like their fears, they're living their fears. Um, and it just like rolls. It's it's weird. There were instances of the episode where I was like, what's real and what's not? Like we saw two different party goers die. <laughs> yeah. But then there's never like I realized at the end of the episode, I was like, did they actually die? But there, there's like so much of the episode that it's like Buffy's in one room and then she falls into the basement. And I'm like, how did like realistically, how did that happen? Because she's seeing it one way. We're seeing it one way too. But I'm like, th- that kind of setup of the narrative was really successful in making the whole episode just kind of like, you're just unmoored. You're like, where's where is everything? There's like no sense of place. They're all lost in this big house. Yeah. <laughs> Willow's being tortured by lights. <laughs> like, <laughs> no one knows what's going on. 
Yeah, and it was it was kind of like a vivid experience. First of all, I I didn't realize that because I'd watched Buffy before I watched it. The house used as the murder house from American Horror Story in the first oh, season of it. Um, I was like, no, way, the murder house. Um, but obviously, one, thing, one thing about Buffy, they've always been there first. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they put the flag on <laughs> <in> the grass. <laughs> That's why I never understood it when I watched it the first time. Um, but yeah, uh, the whole idea of it, I agree, Reed. Um, I. To usually take notes on my phone but my phone was charging and it was only after the episode was over I started taking notes and it was like did those people actually die because they just went back to the house and they were like talking like j- cracking jokes over popcorn and sweets and I was like, <laughs> I was like wait I have questions <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did people die um but I guess not um because even I, I I thought it was it was very clever because you know me, I like to ask questions even when I shouldn't be. Like Buffy went, got out of the basement and just ran into the through the next room and suddenly she was upstairs where they couldn't get her. And I was like, it's a bit unrealistic. But then she actually said, no, he brought us here. He wanted us to be here. And I was like, okay, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. Yeah. He, he wanted them to be there in the end. And that made sense. Um, I guess it was just all about what you saw because Xander wasn't really invisible. That was just his fear. He was there the whole time. But then didn't Willow suggest that they were all in different temporal planes or whatever? So maybe they were in the same place at different times, but they were watching the timelines play out at the same time. I don't know. Um, I don't want to overthink it because it was. I think the whole point of the episode is that it was all about perception and how the person felt. Um, And I think, dare I say, Xander's was the best example of that because you saw with the conversation he had with Anya earlier on, he didn't want to talk about the fact that his friends had gone on to college and he had decided not to. They were still his people, but the fear that was played upon was that they were no longer his people. He wasn't part of their lives. They couldn't see him, even though he's right there. He didn't want to be forgotten about. So I think off all the fears, that was the one that came across the best because it's not that Willow's fear of her magic didn't or that Buffy's fear of being alone didn't. It was just that, I thought that was the best example of it because maybe it was one of the more subtle ones. But uh, since the episode was all about perception, the fact that everyone couldn't see Xander when he was right there, I thought that was very well done. Although Willow, girl, listen to that fear because season six happens. Yeah. (laughs) She goes dark Willow in season six. Okay. I know about dark Willow as far as a concept, just not when it happens. I did for her. I mean, I did like the best friend fight between her and Buffy. Um, but I was like, well, little girl, you're a newbie witch, right? Like you don't, maybe we should not conjure things just yet. Let's do some more reading. And I felt very mm-hmm. secure in that thought too. When she picked up the book, when they were all um, finally together, she couldn't really translate the Gaelic and we didn't really get far into the book. And I was like, we, no, we're not ready. We're on, we're, we're on training wheels. Please don't like, don't call any goddesses. Don't write any symbols leave it alone i know that's not going to happen i know she has to grow into her powers but i was just like same with the young man from the um from the frat who was he, we went to the library we got a book we didn't read any of the patches of passages of the book we just wrote the symbol on the floor and like you could have at least chose something that was like benevolent like we could right. have read <laughs> you know one another like uh, I don't want to say plot hole because I guess it's not that serious. But when they were like realizing what had happened with that symbol, I was like, I wish they would have um, somehow realized that it was Oz's blood that kind of like brought mm-hmm. it to life. They didn't really realize that. Mm-mm. They didn't I, bring I, that up. 
I guess that was just because it was convenient. Because at first when they drew the symbol, I was like, I don't remember. How does this thing come to life? And then it was just, yeah. it was all, all just happened. They caught himself <laughs> and the blood just and happened blood. to drop on it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very vivid in the effects, the way the spider turned into a real spider. Um, you know me, at first I was like, why are we watching this episode? But thankfully, it never, that never played into the plot a big deal. <laughs> but um, again, we talk about people's fears. That was a very good way to bring it all together um, because a lot of people are afraid of spiders. Um, I did like the fact that people could see things, but not everything. So again, you you don't really understand it because again, it's all about perception, but like everyone saw the spider, that was real, but yet everyone else's fears weren't necessarily. We all saw the skeleton come to life with the eyeball and the knife. Um, but again, Xander couldn't be seen and they didn't realize there was anything wrong with Xander until well into it because that was his fear. Yeah, it all came together really, really nicely. I, the lore of it all is different for everyone, depending on the plot. But I think it re really came together nicely. I really, really loved the way they did that. I think that's a Halloween episode that's come together really well because the reason I love Halloween episodes is you, and you don't see them anymore is that uh, they're such a broadcast thing. They're when you're writing an eight episode season that's going to drop at a random time of the year, you don't think, oh, let's write a Halloween episode. Yeah, so, maybe there's going to be like a pumpkin on the porch. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go on with their business. <laughs> <laughs> Won't impact the plot whatsoever. And even with a recent example like WandaVision, which pay played tribute to a lot of TV tropes, it had a Halloween episode, but it also played into the overall arc and that why were these people in Westview acting this way, even though they were dressed up? Um, and Buffy was exactly the same. And I know it took a while to get going, but when it did in the end, that felt longer than what 15 to 20 minutes like it, it really came together nicely and the fact that because at the start it was you're right read it was very positive at the start because Buffy wanted to go out hunting and you're like okay there's going to be a hook that will be something exciting and they're like no the ghosts and the goblins don't come out on Halloween and you're like damn it and then <laughs> and then but this demon was summoned at Halloween yeah I don't really know where I'm going with that I just thought that a lot of the stuff really came together really nicely and as far as a Halloween episode go goes it, it understood all of the assignments mm -hmm. and I really cool. love I they mentioned the previous Halloween episode which I think is when they yeah. turned into their Halloween costumes and they were like well this year we're gonna have a nice calm Halloween and it was nice to see Giles be the one that was like he had his bowl of candy and he was just ready to have a night to be normal and not have to like watch Buffy. And, and I forgot how much fun Anya is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how funny she is. She was so funny in her bunny costume. <laughs> and, it, and it was a really, uh, I, I mean, I don't remember every episode uh, well, but the Giles and Anya team up was really great too. Mm-hmm. Is Anya grow on you? Because I didn't like her. Very much. Yeah. yeah um, she, does. she gave red flags. I, um, not that I really... Is, is this a hot take? And maybe maybe it's not. I didn't care for Xander either. But the... Um, He's my, I will I will double down on that with you. He's my least favorite. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But like with her, it was more so... And maybe it's just supposed to be played for laughs. But when she seemed to be isolating him from his friends by saying that they have nothing in common anymore. I mean, maybe I, I immediately wrote her off. Yeah, she's talking but to she's, him. She's, uh, I don't remember sh what kind of demon she is, Michael, she, but she's not human. So like, she mm -hmm. doesn't have like human emotions or like a human filter. So she mm -hmm. sees things very differently and she just like is trying to tap into like empathy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what demon she is, Michael. She's like a... She turns into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah, 
Yeah. So I think w- women could uh, women could summon her to get back at the man who wronged them. So she's been spent centuries doing that, um, and she loved it. But I can't remember how she came into the show. But she was introduced in like a standalone episode, and then suddenly she slowly became more more yeah. recurring. Um, and she used to have this like hideous, scary face, like all the vengeance demons do. But the thing is, then the reason she's so awkward with Xander is that in all the years of destroying men's life, she's never fallen in love with one. So she doesn't really know how to compute that. And I think the reason they were able to use that quite cleverly to highlight Xander's fear of being separated from his friends. She wasn't intentionally doing that. She was just stating a basic fact. But when Xander heard it, heard it sound like that, he was like, yeah, I don't want to talk about that anymore. And they do use Anya very cleverly because she's not, up to date with current things she doesn't understand the way the world works or how relationship works so sometimes she asks the questions that people won't ask and then comes up with the most unlikely Mm -hmm. of solutions which is why she showed up to the party late in her little bunny outfit which if you've watched Buffy you know that comes into play because this like centuries old vengeance demon has a terrifying fear of bunnies she can't explain (laughs) it and you see that again in the musical episode because it's like she's a demon she finds something that's cute terrifying (laughs) exactly well then I'll pull her feet away from the fire for now. Yeah, I think but they might go she, back later. She has a she opens a magic shop Ooh, I in later that seasons, and that becomes like a new like hangout for them to go because in the first three seasons, Sabrina, you know, they were in high school. So they their like hub was the library because Giles was the librarian at the school. So that was like where they would like meet and like go into their books, and that was their meeting place. And I think going into season four into college having that they lost that set they lost that their hub and i think the magic shop was a way to have them have a place again even though they do end up back at high school by like season whatever they make buffy a guidance counselor i'm like love buffy she did not graduate college (laughs) (laughs) who is she guidancing we you know what no walking it back (laughs) future slayers i think (laughs) i mean that would be great she has the expertise for that but how long have we been out in the world girl come back away from the guidance counseling yeah a lot had happened and i'm like love buffy she's gone through so many things not sure she dealt with her own things enough to be able to lead other people but i believe in her (laughs) (laughs) say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill looking back on Buffy it's like did it really struggle with the college years or was it the post-college years it struggled with but it wasn't even post-college because they Buffy like stopped it stopped being like college stopped being a thing by like and she stopped going in like season seven because she Mm -hmm. was a guidance counselor I don't know it's just one of those shows where like Kind of like Gossip Girl, where they kind of like college wasn't working. Let's just slowly stop talking about it. <laughs> I think they did the same in small. <laughs> they did that in 90210 too. <laughs> I, I really think we should steer away from college if we started out as a high school drama. I do. I mean, I can't think of a single. I mean, some one. shows can just like go right into college. Well, 
some even if you do the time jump it doesn't always work i don't know they're it's tricky it's a tricky it territory i mean i don't know if this is also a hot take but i did enjoy the college the, the jump over college for one tree hill yeah uh, not, really ne- well. not necessarily where everybody landed but i did yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah, yeah. the the college the, the everybody like move away from it it was like wish fulfillment everybody had somehow done <laughs> what they wanted to do i mean not peyton peyton never got to do what she wanted to do really she started um, and then luke's drama just brought her down always i do love leighton though not to like not to go away from <laughs> i mean we always end up here <laughs> <laughs> one more point about lucas he's his most annoying at the first uh in that's the season is that where we jump from five he's his most annoying in season five just absolutely the yeah worst. he wrote a book and suddenly he thinks he's the author that he was quoting in the first four seasons <laughs> right but when peyton chucked the book at him over and it's every time i go past the bookstore i buy your stupid book <laughs> and then she starts throwing the copies i'm like exactly tell him again because <laughs> he's not getting it that's why i've always been on her side <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> moving away from one tree hill though to wrap up buffy um it didn't make me want to watch more um so i think we should pepper in some more buffy i wrote down hush as an episode um we should go back to get some high school ones too because i feel like you need to see cordelia that was one thing that i was like felt was missing because she moved to mm-hmm. angel at this point oh, i was like oh cordelia and we need to watch a faith episode too with yeah. eliza dushku Okay. Well, and we need to get Angel and Spike in the mix too, because they're like big in the Buffy lore. And this was like one of the most like it, Michael said standalone. It was like one of the most like basic tier Buffy. Ep- it's a great episode, but like you, it's just main cast yeah. as it is. It's not like any extras, anything else going on. It, yeah, definitely. Season four, looking back on it, is definitely one of the most unusual because it's very like isolated from the rest of the lore. And I know that's because they try to throw more into college. But like the, the a nice little tease was uh, that part of the episode where they saw the people dressed like SWAT people who walked through the fences and they were like, who are those? And they were like, were they dressed up for Halloween? There's a whole arc in season four about them and what they're doing. Um, whereas Obviously, the first three seasons had the Buffy and Angel romance. The later seasons focus on Buffy and Spike, even though Spike was part of the show from season two onwards. I can't even remember. Is he in season four at all? Um, he is, because I was reading through the DVD and I was like, oh, Spike's back and we just missed him. <laughs> okay, okay, that makes sense. But season four feels like an island aside from all of the lore now looking back on it because it's not a Sunnydale-centric because there's a lot of college storylines that go on. And so when that... It, reads right it was kind of an unusual one to pick obviously we picked it because it was halloween but uh it doesn't even scratch the surface of what's available in terms of like buffy lore buffy characters there's just so much that are buffy that wasn't in that episode we need to get sabrina to meet dawn too when buffy gets a surprise sister in season five (laughs) so basically the the episode sabrina needs to watch of buffy and we'll just make our way (laughs) yes we'll make our way through them it'll be like a a mini nancy journey (laughs) yes Oh, that'd be so much fun. I'm happy about that. We are definitely going to do that. Uh, I do have one last thing, though, and it's that I Aldous Hodge is in this episode, and I did not know that because he's 13 years old in it, so I didn't, <laughs> yeah, and he has, like, makeup on, because uh, he was, like, eye makeup, because he was the teen who scares her in the middle of the street. 
and mm-hmm. tells her like what's wrong with you and I was like I, I didn't know I was like oh I wonder who that child is and then the credits rolled and I didn't exit out of Hulu yet and I was like I'll just watch googling <laughs> Hawkman 13 years yeah. old in I didn't even know that <laughs> I didn't know that until I th- until I saw your notes. See, Disney Plus does the thing, obviously, where it goes watch next episode and the credits go small. So I never got to see that. Um, but yeah, that's insane. Future superhero right there. I loved that scene, though, because it seemed like when the when he first walked up to her, it looked like practical effects, like somebody yeah, was in yeah. makeup. And then after she hits him, he takes the mask off and it like turns into like, Oh, that's a child. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was sorry he got hit, but I was also like, never scare a woman who's walking. Especially Buffy Summers. Yeah. And <laughs> he's like, "What's wrong with you?" He's like, "Honey, the street is empty, and she's walking by herself." Yeah, you and- started this. <laughs> <laughs> like, just go home. I see. I'm so sorry about your face, though. <laughs> but um, leaving, are they still in Sunnydale? In this, like, did they go to college in Sunnydale? Or we had over for yeah. convenience. Yeah, that's what they did. Okay. Well, leaving Sunnydale and hopping into New York City to get into the fifth episode of Tarzan, which made me even more irritated that the series got canceled because, again, excellent episode. And Nikki got to leave the house and be an integral part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're like as soon as I realized like oh Nikki's gonna have something to do but when we got into the meat of the story I was like Nikki left the house but at what cost yeah <laughs> <laughs> right no and um, that when we first saw her we saw her early on into the episode I was like oh Michael's gonna repeat the same line he always says she walked she had through the, the red door shirt on right in a red shirt yep mm-hmm. exactly the two boxes were checked and it was like fine we got our Nikki quota for this week but oh did we get so much more from that we have asked for a lot from this show. I feel like we got all of it in this episode. Mm-hmm. He left the house. A procedural with characters we actually get to know more about and curl a little bit more about. And uh, there was another one. Why is it escaping me? Richard did more than just sit in the corner of plot. We got all it's of it. In the so it's so funny because I'm watching it, realizing like everything we've said is happening, and I'm like, there's no way we've like conjured this. But like, are we just like really smart? Like, we've watched so much TV that like we can <laughs> see the flaws and see where it needs to go. Or was it just like the the writers were just like, wait, we're getting there. You're getting ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the former. And I think it's the former because one, we watch a lot of TV, but we're also writers. So we do understand like the cracks in in what's happening on a tele in television or um a movie. So in this case, it'd have been like they must have been having the same conversations in the writer's room. Like, how do we fix this? Cause it's not good. What did we miss it? And I know I had said, I think last week that I was like, I'm tiring of everybody being scared of Tarzan. Yes. But when he leapt into Nikki's window and she, Layton, that I didn't mean Layton. I I needed that. That was a great reaction. The scream was just like perfect. It was. And it was such comedic time in the way, like then he fell out. Right. Oh my god, they finally let Leighton do something. And it's like, there's the Leighton that we know. Like mm-hmm. she already had the comedic timing. She was just like waiting for someone to call her up. I oh. is this whole experience me just like cheering on Leighton? No. <laughs> I mean, it's what she deserves though. I mean, it is before we knew her as Blair Waldorf, but like I think anyone in this role, if, if they had been relegated to just popping in with cereal bowls or going to oh, letting people into the apartment and then going to sleep, we would have been in here like, come on, y'all. 
like either cut the actress loose or she can get a better opportunity or do something with her. And finally they did. I also like the musical cue in the um before uh, Tarzan hops into the window. I was like, yes, angsty teen music. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um I should I did Shazam the song. And I was like, Fifi Dobson, I would have oh, Was it Fifi Dobson? It was Fifi Dobson. Oh <laughs> <laughs> what's the song? It was uh Give It Up. That's oh, the song I that was that playing. One. I didn't I know either. I know everything though. I think that was her hit, right? I what is that the one with the music video where she's like going through the high school? I think it was in a movie. Is it a movie? We'll Google it after. We will. But like <laughs> the, just the conjuring again of the childhood to be hearing Fifi Dobson and like it being tied to the 18-year-old. Exactly. Great musical choice by the editor. Uh, and finally we had called for Tarzan to bump into Nikki last yeah. episode. And then yeah. happened. And it was, was such a good now. like the scene flowed from her being like scared shocked to like oh it's you yeah that's music like she like really rode the wave of like <laughs> meeting this man yeah and it was i, I really liked the way she went i'm nicky and shook and stuck out her hand i knew he wasn't going to shake it but just the way he said i know it really calmed the scene down i thought that was really <laughs> like yeah, exactly right. um but i i did yes i did have a laugh because like i feel like we you're right sabrina we've really been predicting a lot of these things and this is the second week in a row where rita said something and the following week it's literally come true because you said guys i'm a very powerful witch <laughs> <laughs> that feels appropriate for halloween week um but uh, you literally said last week you want a scene between nikki and tarzan where she's like i get it now and it wasn't the same kind of like look at him and be like i get it now but he worked with her he was gentle with her he he was attentive and caring towards her at the end because he saved her so by the end of it nikki was like i get it now but everybody else in tarzan's life who really shouldn't have been questioning him was also like i get it now and I, so it was a, it was a very important episode for tarzan but I, I, yeah aside from the fact that it was just thrilled to see nikki interact with more people than just jen inside that apartment there was a lot going on in this episode that I did really, really like, both from Nikki getting to leave the door and aside from that, Tarzan learning things, but also people learning things about Tarzan. I didn't necessarily yeah. like the whole character journey that people were going on about Tarzan. Um, yeah. I know, Sabrina, that you, you, was it you mentioned that they always keep comparing him to the negative villain mm -hmm. of the week or whatever. And this one was a little, I felt like a little bit of a reach. Yeah. It was offensive. I did not care for it whatsoever. Was it it came from Jane, right? Um, it came from Sam and Jane. Um so, Oh, it was Sam. I was like, yeah. Sam, I've been on your side for four weeks. <laughs> No, <laughs> he's like, because she's like, Tarzan will never hurt me. And she, he's like, you know, he sound like Darcy. And I was like, he has never abused her. We haven't even come I, close to that at all. There was so much in that line that I, I like wanted to pause and just be like, that was so loaded in a way that was offensive to my spirit. <laughs> <laughs> it was like rude to Darcy, mean to Jane, unfair to it was like Sam, what? <laughs> yeah. And it, you're right, it was so loaded because uh, when I first heard James like Tarzan, he would never hurt me. I was like, that line sounds a little clunky. Like, when have we heard this line before? Usually when something like that follows it up. And then of course Sam went and followed it up like that. I was like we didn't need that, but obviously we did. The plot needed it so the Tarzan could prove himself at the end. Like this man has essentially been Batman for five episodes. How many more times do you want him to prove himself and save somebody's life so that you can be like, yeah, he's not going to hurt the good guys. 
he's has such the most adorable sense of right and wrong that if something's wrong, he will swoop into action. How could you ever think that he turned on somebody who was in the right? I don't like that. You know what I mean? Like, why are we comparing him to bad people? And it's also comparing um, Jane to a uh, a victim of abuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was a lot. Which, you know... <laughs> If we had done the thing with Michael that we wanted them to do, which seemed to be the underlining thing about them, where it's not physical abuse, but it did seem to have, there was controlling aspects to their relationship. And I don't really, there was just something odd about them, where she was deferential in a way that seemed out of character. If we had done a little bit more abusive, I'll say it. Okay. Mm Uh, well, fine. Emotional it. abuse. <laughs> like, but, but, was, at the very least, it was he was emotionally manipulative. I'll say. Yeah. Yes, I did. We, I feel like we didn't get there because they didn't want us to get there, but they were writing it in such a way that it felt like if we had more time with him, it would have come out as being very clearly emotional abuse and potentially verbal abuse, low key. If um, as we were getting with him, not trusting her and her instincts on the job, uh, but I with Michael. That's why he probably should have been around longer. If he was, this connection about patterns of abuse and and what Sam might have seen as Jane's partner would have worked better. But with this, it's just like, Sam, you have, other than not knowing anything about Tarzan, I wouldn't have, and just knowing that he is very fierce about beating up bad guys, I wouldn't leap to he's going to hit Jane one day. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. And they definitely try to play into that by the fact that he lost control a few times. But like all the times he's lost, I don't really know whether he has lost control or he's just deciding to do what his sense of justice is. And he would never do that to someone who he thought was on the right side, who was who isn't who is a good person. We've said we've said this. He we've the show's done such a subtle job of toying with his guilt or his anger over what humanity is capable of because he's never seen anything like that before and it continues to play into it i don't necessarily i agree i don't necessarily like that they kind of try to turn that into well what if he turns on you someday um i mean if jane burned a building down i'd be like maybe tarzan's gonna like call her out (laughs) 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 maybe there'd be cause for concern but she's not doing that yeah he loves this woman but i guess sam doesn't know that I know what you mean, but like Jane's right and wrong sense has been a little bit blurred recently, and he has called her out on it. He's never once shown anger or animosity towards her, and she knew that. I get maybe why Sam would suggest things. I get maybe, well, Nikki hasn't said so much as maybe had one line here and one line there to whisper in her ear, but so I get why the people in her knife would be a little confused by this, but I don't think Jane should have ever questioned it, and I know and she never really did, but as the episode went on, she was like, you put my sister in danger, and of course something like that had to happen so that he had to prove himself in the end, but it's very much given the sense of you're only as good as the last thing you did. And Tarzan's mm-hmm. done far too many good things to be put in that position. True. I didn't see what the problem was when we were in the, when they came busting in and had caught him hitting Gary is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and like going to town, I was like, no, hit him again for me. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> like he, he did abuse his girlfriend and she fell back into some type of shelving unit. Um, and he's clearly an abuser. I, I just don't, why are we upset with him? Like, obviously 
I guess if he had been her brother, would it have been okay for him to be going on to town? Like if it was someone's sibling who caught their partner hitting their their um, their loved one and he was just going to town in the apartment, you would just pull him off and tell him to stand out. Potentially have to take him in because it's still assault. But like the idea that we should be scared of Tarzan before that he saw a woman get battered and he handled business. I just don't understand. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point that a lot of the times they try to connect what happens in the case of the week to Tarzan. It's like, I don't know if we fully cooked the, the, the thematic relevance here. Yeah. It's constantly like just a bit of a reach. It is. It's, we haven't even had an episode in which, you know, Tarzan was wrong about somebody and someone landed up in the hospital. Mm. Or he um he could have handled a situation differently. Like every time yeah, it was like constantly people were like he's constantly like, why am I in it? Like I helped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there was a lot of stuff that I liked in this episode, but I think the things that I didn't really like drew me back to my biggest criticism, which is I wish the show wasn't a cop show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's constantly what I keep coming back to because I liked the Nikki and Tarzan. I like the character stuff. I even liked we'll get to the the Clayton stuff but I the scene where Jane catches him showering (laughs) (laughs) such a classic WV moment that's like yes that's kind of what you want to see in this kind of show but then the episode the scene continues and she's it flips the scene that's not as fun anymore because of the storyline which is because it's a cop show. So I'm kind of, I'm like on this roller coaster of like really enjoying it. And then like the things that I don't like as much, it's just because of what the show was like stuffed into this procedural cop box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a type of storyline that they could have done without her being a cop. They could have kept Sam a cop. And so like her sister's like, why don't you talk to your best friend um, to help my best friend? And then still been upset at Tarzan for going along with Nikki without having like anybody there who would be considered like a city authority. Um, mm-hmm. And that you still get to the same place. She just doesn't have to be a cop. I mean, she does. She is filming. She is. She figured out the case and about what was going on in Toronto. And um, but it's not really necessary. Could have been a professor of research at the same institute that her sister is attending college at. We could be a lot of different things. Right. Wasn't it, um, Michael, I know you like the show True Calling as well. What was her profession? She didn't do anything, right? What was she up to? She was, was she, her she, bestie was like a, she was in the morgue. Yeah. She worked in the, co- she, no, sorry, she went to college, didn't she? And she was studying some stuff. Um, because the whole point is that a lot of lectures, she would get called out for sleeping through. But, um, I think, did she work with him in the morgue or did she just like, see, that's what I can't remember, but I know that she, she showed up with like, him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, she was just off running around doing her thing, trying to save people. And then she had her bestie in the morgue. And I'm like, that's a great way to like bridge two gaps without her also being a cop or in the morgue or something. And I'm like, this Tarzan is just so like, it's cops and then soap. And I don't know. 
Yeah. Constant, I'm constantly struggling with the identity crisis of the show, I think. Yeah, it might be because since Jane's technically the main character, we get overwhelmed with all of this. Like that, that True Calling is a good example, but another one's like Ghost Whisperer. Like Melinda ran an antique store, but it was was her husband a paramedic? So like yes. she would she would come she would come up close and personal with that life, but it wouldn't overwhelm the, the plot of the show. Whereas since Jane is in the police station 24-7, she has to follow the rules by the book. We're seeing it all through her eyes. Whereas I've all, I constantly use the Batman example, but the difference with that is that Batman is the main character. He works with Gordon. You don't get to see Gordon 24-7 in the police station abiding by the law. You get to see Batman working outside the law the way, same way we could see Tarzan work outside the law. But with, I agree, the, the point you made about that final scene read, I agree. You also could have seen that in like a, 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 a typical adaptation of Tarzan. Jane wakes up in the forest one morning and just so happens across that site. You know what I mean? It was, it was like, I'm in this place. <laughs> it was off. It just but... felt like the WB was like, we need something sexy. And they were like, hey, we'll stuff it in. It came really late, right? It that, came yeah. really late. And she's she's visiting him, I guess, to thank him for what happened with Nikki. And I was like, they did steam with actual steam in the scene, too. Like, I was like, it's very foggy for once in this. It, usually there's no fog. I was like, who's working the fog machine back here? Because like, yeah. it's just, they were just like, we, we need something titillating. And we also, had the whole, like, shot of him, like, <laughs> and we right? did the slow yeah. scan up his body. as like, we haven't done a scan like that since the pilot, I believe. I know, but, and then like, we just got right into a serious combat. <laughs> we did, but they also did the thing that they used to do a lot, which is, you're not getting a kiss until the end of the season. Would have made sense there, but they I was like, no. Going to the screen is like, we doing it? We doing it? <laughs> and they're like, no, no. Which is, I mean, in some ways, it just brings back to bring us back to that era because now people like they go through two episodes and they're like, I'm gonna slow burn. It's like it's they just met and they had mm-hmm. one additional scene. Get back to me on slow burn when it's been three seasons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're just like the people have no patience now, and we're always like. We were in the Shoot. trenches. In the trenches. You lucky if you'll get something by the end of the season one. Mm-hmm. Look, I survived Clark Atlanta and Smallville. That was you know, they had they did kiss early, but it was always like one of them didn't know they did it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> th- yeah. Exactly. So many intimate scenes that yet they didn't actually get together for like four seasons. Um, whereas this, of course, it's that era we grew up in. This era we're ready for that era, but knowing we're running out of episodes, I'm like, gotta move on, gotta move on. Just knowing that it's not going to happen. Um, but to go back to that scene, you're right, Sabrina. It was very forest like like they even had like something glistening as though it was the sunlight was he in, coming he was in a greenhouse yeah, yeah exactly. yes <laughs> yeah. at night i believe it's nighttime exactly. so what is this did, so why very was this like light, was this light coming maybe from? it was supposed to be like from jane's angle she's like uh <laughs> <laughs> maybe because it's like kathleen did you put some spotlights in here when did, when did this happen uh but I he's think, really just like out there showering he is and... just showering like also, your, is, your, is your aunt home? Oh, and not then important. Like, well, I was also like, I didn't realize water came through this greenhouse like this. Like it was just streaming, like an actual, um, like mini waterfall down there. So does him. the floor stay wet? Does it rot? Like who cleans that you up? Know, he's resourceful. <laughs> True. It's just funny. I do love this. I love it. Yeah, there was, there, was, there was no reason for that scene to exist, but it did. And like a lot of old WB dramas, we respect it for that. It yes. was perfect. They did what they had to do in the last two minutes of the episode. Oh, we didn't get to see the 
the there was no promo for this episode at the end of last week, no. right? I felt slighted. A thousand percent this was in the promo for this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a billion percent. Like they were trying to get the sweeps rocking. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a fantastic episode though. Like through the um through the whole way through. I even I feel like we revisited, you know, Jane's standoff with Michael where she was like, hit me instead but this time it worked better when we were talking to gary and trying to get him i wish i got why tarzan um wanted to protect us no no she has a plan she needs him to hit her she's baiting him tarzan wait because then she can take him back to back into the precincts but yeah i thought that scene was hilarious because like Again, we're going back to the whole Tarzan can't be trusted. And I'm like, no, literally the only thing that wrong this man is doing is the right thing. So leave him alone. Um, but like he literally like swooped down from a rooftop, like literally like Batman. And like this dude, Gary's like, you stay away from me. Like no one's asking the questions. Where did he come from? Why is this feral man following me? Um, but like, did he you have know, shoes on this week? Not important. I don't but think I, so. No, I just really so. like did not look at his feet <laughs> they really want you not to ask questions though because when he went chasing after nikki um when gary took her and then he just jumps down from the bridge i was like i know y'all didn't see us we didn't get to see him running through the city because it doesn't make any sense how would he have made it to the bridge before them and i don't also don't see any buildings here so what exactly was he parkouring off of <laughs> to, <laughs> to get he to this bridge <laughs> It's like when Spider-Man's in the forest, you're like, what is he web swinging on? Where where does that go? Um, But yeah, there was a lot of ambitious stuff and there's a lot of movie level stuff. And yeah, I know it kind of falls apart if you ask too many questions, but like the scene at the end on the bridge with like Tarzan just like jumping off from one like railing to the other. Wow. Like, and Jane was just like, there he is. He was there. I like that. So scenes like that where like it stops becoming stop getting involved and they just accept the fact that he's going to be there because the episode opened Tarzan this man can't win he was doing exactly what he was asked he was staying away from Jane and I like that scene where she looked up on the rooftops almost expecting him to come down and then he didn't but it, because she asked him to stay away so it was kind of a full circle moment at the end that nobody just asked any questions there he was because of course he was he was always going to do the right thing and poor guy's out here proving himself every week and people are still asking questions about him but like it felt like a right full circle moment I'm ga- glad they got the whole stay away from me out of the way early on and now they're just going to accept the fact that he's doing what he's doing going forward Hmm. it's good that we've maybe this is, means that we've stopped this no more you gotta go though i did appreciate that jane i think was the one who said i have to leave or something when mm-hmm. she presented him with the um the necklace that wasn't this episode was it it was wasn't it oh, yeah. was, okay like when she presented him with the necklace even though i feel like jane girl Richard doesn't do anything just because yeah. i do i do actually believe that he loves his nephew i don't believe that he loves his nephew enough to see him as a person though mm-hmm. with his own like way of moving through the world he wants the money very badly but he does love his nephew not enough though still batman mm-hmm. do we know what grace stoke is yet or did <laughs> no. i like miss that oh. okay because <laughs> they're like yelling at each other about grace stoke and i'm like catch me up guys <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> yeah I, I thought that was quite well no i didn't think the necklace thing was quite clever i was like there's going to be a tracker in that i was like, will there be a tracker in 2003 and i was like there's going to be a tracker in that and then of course there was a tracker and i was like jan come on you should have known better than that um like she should have just like 
placed it on a dog or something, then Richard could have been tracking the dog or whatever. You know, I mean, send that man on what a wild goose What did he say the necklace was? I kind of yeah. fell apart on some of these scenes. Was it from his mother? Was it? it yeah, didn't, it he was wearing picture. it in the first he, episode. Yeah. He bought that at like Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like the fact that. It's all out in the open now. We know where he is. I mean, again, Richard, this man, he's been tracking Jane for weeks. He would have known he would have known where Tarzan was by now. But you know what? We got there in the end. It was pretty cool that he was like outsmarted that he was with his aunt the whole time. And he never once thought to look there. I love that. Um, but uh, it's I, I do appreciate the fact this episode was designed to make us die Tarzan. And I didn't. Not for a single moment. But they I, never I, could make me. Exactly. Yeah. No, no, we're in the trenches with this man. But Richard played upon that, even though he doesn't have all his knowledge. But Richard played upon that well. This is the one time in the episode I felt it worked when he was like, You don't want to be here. You want Jane. And Jane's not gonna want you like this. That's that's Richard. That's the Richard we know is manipulative. That's when I thought the one point in this episode, the storyline actually works for me. Because of course, a manipulative man like that would try and gaslight his naive nephew into thinking that he's their farm it didn't work and i'm so thrilled that it didn't because i was like you see if this next episode has tarzan and suits working at greystoke i was like look at me jen i'm the man you want i was like this isn't this is not why she fell for you i was like i would have hated that we don't have time for that thankfully they didn't go down that route and now richard's going to be a man scorned instead total villain complex that he's like she's poisoned him against me and i'm like no actually experimenting on them did that bestie but sure you do yeah yeah look in the um, mirror babe he was <laughs> exactly. so hurt in this, in, i mean great acting but he was so hurt and i the last time he left that building he had been strapped to a table and sedated why yeah. do you think he's coming back to you even with jane being dangled as bait no Exactly. And the thing that really bothered me about that was I liked seeing the side of Richard. He was desperate. And then he got back into the limousine. It was like, I'm going to come up Does with some really villain. That, like, one punch from Tarzan would just take his lights out. Yep, yeah. Right. Beat the hubris. So he doesn't, he's not thinking about that. He's like, well, I got money. And Tarzan's like, well, I got muscle. So yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Lex Luthor versus Superman all over again. Well, you know, you've gone, you're starting to go wrong though. When even your henchman is looking at you like, yeah. you sure you don't want to pull back boss? I, I was like, like, is this guy going to get a conscience? <laughs> no, <laughs> poor David. I think he just really hates like having to be awful to David. Abusive, really. Um, because the he's an agoraphobe and he needs to go home. Please let this Didn't man go back. He forced him into saying that it was a murder, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, because he said that um, you know, he could make his phobias worse, which made me think. So is he not? You're not even taking care of him at all either. Then you something tells me you're probably torturing him back there. Just mild phobia stuff, touching things, because it looks like David doesn't like you to touch him or touch his things. Hmm. And the fact then that he threatened them after that, I didn't like that. I mean, it's total villain, but Richard's coming off as very one note to me, except for portions of this episode. Like last week, he was being all kind. Will you tell me exactly what you saw? And then that worked really well in the scene with Jane when he was being all like nice and like compassionate and caring. Jane nearly bought it. This is a side of Richard I like to see because whether it's real or not, it's it's better than plot in the corner every single week and do, do absolutely nothing about it. But then it kind of bothered me that the second half of the episode was basically just him plotting in the corner again. Um, and then he was rude to that poor man. Um, and, he, and he was like, get him out of my sight when he agreed to do what he was going to what he wanted him to do anyway. Yeah, Richard's coming off as very one-node villain right now. 
there was there was potential in this episode, but now now we think he's just going to frame Tarzan for the murder so that he won't be a threat to his wealth, his estate, his business, whatever. That doesn't make sense though, because if he frames him for the murder, wouldn't the police want him? He can't like be like, oh yeah, he did it, and then s- steal him. Well, I think he's going to um, have him. What's the word I'm looking for? But because he is a danger to himself, he'll present it as he's not only a danger to the public, he's a danger to himself, but also he'll give the story about how him being abandoned in, in the jungles of the Congo. And therefore what he needs is stability and a family member who can take care of him and who can make sure that he doesn't do uh, anything horrible. Basically conservatorship is what they're probably, mm-hmm. he's going to probably ask the court to do. Um, and that way he can manage his uh, inheritance he can keep him under house arrest and um, he can do whatever he wants to him by law. And the reason he wanted to use him in the first place, I believe, was it so that he would have a greater share of the company or that the inheritance wouldn't go to or would be under Richard's um, guidance so that that would so that in the in the war against him and Kathleen, that he wouldn't that Kathleen wouldn't be able to get the business from them, I believe. Is that right? But now mm-hmm. that Tarzan's on Kathleen's side, that makes him an enemy that makes him an obstacle and that makes him someone who needs to be gotten rid of so i assume if richard drags his name through the mud that inheritance will then fall into richard's possession so that richard will then be able to keep control of the company and kathleen won't get it so it is this whole dynasty like sibling war it's very much taking a back seat but i i feel like as far as richard's concerned it'll come more to the forefront if tarzan's name is dragged through the mud i hope we don't have him back under richard's uh uh her because we've done that like three or four times already i mean we have three episodes left i doubt (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna happen (laughs) but you never know with this show you never know but with kathleen though she's suffering from a lack of depth i know i'm bored she's just the nice um aunt the rich nice aunt Uh, i thought they don't even have her doing businessy things Unless it's gonna like the the plan was for that to come, like if anything were to go wrong in terms of Richard being able to lay claim ill to Tarzan, she's in she ha- owns the papers so she can slander this man up and down New York and uh, bring the court of public opinion to her side. But since we haven't seen her doing anything work related involving these papers or anything having to do with Greystoke. She's basically a rich lady who's trying to help her nephew who, if you didn't know any better, she would just be living off her inheritance, which is fine. But like, it's not giving us much. Mm-mm. No, when we first saw her, she was like 1980 soap kind of businesswoman character who was all about the office, all about the style, all about the work and the Yeah, the she had edge. Business. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Didn't she We're, tell Jane, get out of my house or something? Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I like, remember, where is that, Kathleen? <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we first watched the trailer, the three of us laughed over the fact Jane was like, your nephew's alive. And she literally just wanted to get out of my house. It was like, Iconic. what a line, what a line. Um, whereas now she's kind of like descended into like, modern day tv character who's just kind sitting up on the sofa at the end of the night reading the newspaper i'm like i, I want more from you because there's potentials there and I, lucy lawless gave it her all in that scene between tarzan and richard because she had very little to do she just stood there and watched and you saw the tears you saw the anguish you saw the hurt you saw the what am i going to do written all over her face but it shouldn't just be on the actor to convey that i want 
I want her sto- Kathleen's storyline to convey that. I want more from her. For being a series regular, she's starting to fall into the um, Nikki territory and that she has not left this house. And other than that limousine scene, I want more from her. The sad thing is, though, Nikki's going to be back in that house for the last three episodes because she's like traumatized, probably. Wait, wait, what? We had seen Leighton was in five, though. Oh, no. What's <gasps> that? No. Oh, no. <laughs> Nikki <laughs> went back to mom. <laughs> what a grand finale. Um, when you said last week, Sabrina, that she was only in five episodes, I was like, this girl's either going to get killed off or she's going to get involved in a case that's going to traumatize her and she'll be shipped off to the parents' house. Um, both of those scenarios very nearly came true in this episode because for a hot second, they did a great job there. For a hot second, I thought, oh God, she no. fall off the edge? She did. When you saw her scream, like, in slow I didn't motion, know what was going on. Neither did I, but there I were thought. There like two gunshots, did. and I was like, who? <laughs> got shot who's falling i was so confused i I, thought you know i stuck it out (laughs) i thought for a second she had been shot i was like this is it jane doesn't need this trauma again in her life nikki needs life outside that apartment other than dying and give me something but then when i saw it was actually she was just screaming because she'd gone overboard like tarzan's got this tarzan's got this and of course he jumped into the water and he got it like fine the minute i seen her go overboard my fear for her stopped because uh she wasn't shot she just went over the railing it's like tarzan's got this and he did and bless him he proved himself one more time but unfortunately per nick a bit of a damsel in distress never really got more from her she deserved more than that and by the signs of things this is the last we'll see of her we'll probably hear in dialogue next week about how she's moved back home and then that's the end of nick i am that's so sad she was she went out with a strong episode but like we could have had episodes of this heck if the stars had aligned we could have had seasons of this but unfortunately it just wasn't to be and i miss nikki she had the red shirts and a red sweater. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will say, though, um, Reed, I thought about you when they went over the um, the bridge because he had made some comment about the budget. And when I saw the dolls get tossed over, <laughs> I was like, yep, Reed is right. A dime and some gum. <laughs> this is what we had. I was like, not the doll. I just like, wait and did the scream and then, boop. In the same outfit. <laughs> just they the did doll. what they had to do. <laughs> they did what they had to do. Kudos to them. Oh my. I we only had three episodes left though. I'm not rad, I Yeah. I I'm so excited to see how they wrap it up because the last episode is called The End of the Beginning. And I'm like, did you guys know? I'm, mm. I'm excited to see what happens in that episode. Same. I they were going a mile a minute, though, and we seem to have slowed the train down. I We might be in a cliffhanger is a serve territory, though. For episode We'll say. The sad episode it just never came. Tarzan perched on a ledge of a building. That might just be how it ends. <laughs> I, yeah, listen, I am a sucker for those ends. Give me a superhero shot, a shot of the superhero looking down over the city. I will be satisfied with that end. Do we think we'll get a kiss in the, sometime in the next three episodes? Hmm. Mm, See, I don't I'm, know. Conf- I'm conflicted too. Well, yeah, I don't know. So, twelve episodes, I believe, was supposed to be the first season count. So maybe next episode, if they were going for mid season. But I, I ju- not. I'm not feeling strongly about it though. I'm not I feeling ju- confident. I just I fear know. that we're going to get some kind of setback. Now that now that Jan 
is in a good place with Tarzan. What would normally happen is that something would happen in the next episode. They'll be like lovey-dovey, heart eyes. If this was Heartstopper, the leaves would be everywhere for the whole episode. And then something terrible will happen and it'll be, we can't be together. But since we've done that already, I fear the next terrible thing that'll happen is they'll have the best time together. And then Tarzan will get arrested for murder. Oh, no. Wow. (laughs) I feel like, yes. What Michael said, the latter part. All right. I was like, kiss or or murder. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, she's seen him naked. (laughs) (laughs) We have to put that in the equation. I don't know where they go from there. Um, Well, okay. So, but we have also seen two two deaths. Um, She killed somebody for him and Sam killed somebody. Tarzan could kill someone. And then we are playing we're doing that thing where she's like yeah but i'm a i'm an authority i'm a cop and he'd be like i helped save somebody yes the person is dead but they were a criminal <laughs> see so. i fear they might do that because they've been going around in circles but at the same time because they've been going around in circles and toying with that far too much i would hate if they did that that would feel like such a cop out if they got there after hitting us over the head with it for four episodes leading up to it yeah they should do a stakeout That'd be fun. Yeah. Like forcing Tarzan to sit in the passenger seat instead of like running around and then they talk and get to know each other or something. Like that. that See how her been... side of the law works. Yeah, right. Yeah. That'd be fun. I will say, if, if they do do a murder though, um, I doubt it'd be one of those. I know he's Tarzan's immediate thing is I'm going to incapacitate you or potentially murder you depending on what you've been doing. Um, but... I feel like they'd have to choose wisely about the person they decide to have him kill. Um, because Jane and Sam think it's like it's indiscriminate. It would be indiscriminate killing. Someone could shoplift and, and Tarzan would kill them. Like that's clearly not what would happen. Mm-hmm. It would have to be someone is in immediate danger or that person mm-hmm. is going to kill somebody else. But I don't know. I don't necessarily trust this aspect of the show. Because I feel like they really do want you to be on Jane's side about questioning Tarzan. And I just am not with you. Well, they shouldn't call the show Tarzan then. (laughs) (laughs) And they have the whole murder plot with Richard that's hanging over him anyway. He didn't murder Michael, but the world will believe that he did. We don't need to pin a real murder on him as well. You know what I mean? I'm honestly, I know I've been here for quite some time. I don't care about the Michael stuff anymore. No, me neither. <laughs> but it's there and they have to do something. I didn't like him, so I'm like, why are we still talking about him? He's gone. Yeah, he wasn't a good dude. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-mm. They tried to nope. let make us like him, though. And failed. We, we saw too much. We know too much. I know. You already called it out. You said emotional abuser. We're done. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's it. Yes. That's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, but that is also a wrap for this episode. Um, so thank you all for listening or watching Where the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. And I'm Reed. Hi, y'all. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.